You're listening to Comedy Central. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. July 30th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight is an MSNBC anchor celebrating 40 years in journalism. Andrea Mitchell is here, everybody. Yes. We're going to be chatting to her about why she chooses to be an enemy of the people. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Every day, we hear another story about someone calling the cops on random black people. And now it turns out it happens to famous black people, too. Actor Ving Rhames is in the news tonight, and it's not only his role in this weekend's blockbuster Mission Impossible movie that has people talking. Rhames just went public about a confrontational moment with police in his own home. I open the door, there's a red dot pointed at my face from a nine millimeter. Oh my gosh. And they say, put up your hands. A woman called 911 said a large black man was breaking into the house. <laughs> Come on, guys, this shit is getting out of hand. Not only is Ving Rhames your neighbor, he's a super famous person. Really? You don't recognize the guy who's been in all these Hollywood movies? No, that doesn't tip you off? <laughs> or is his neighbor really dumb and that's why he called the cops? He's just like, hello, 911? The guy from Pulp Fiction is robbing a house. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's using some kind of key to break open the locks, please hurry. <laughs> and by the way, have you seen Ving Rhames? You don't need to worry about him getting robbed. Look at that dude. If anything, you should call 911 for the guy who made the mistake of breaking into Ving Rhames' house. She'd be like, hello, 911? Someone's about to die. <laughs> Moving on to other news, we all know the TSA watches our every move in the airports, but now we're learning they're also watching us in the sky. The Washington Post reports federal air marshals have conducted secret in-flight monitoring of U.S. passengers for years. The TSA says air marshals have identified passengers raising red flags because of travel histories or in-flight suspicious behavior, even if they have no known terror links. The behavior includes using the bathroom repeatedly or sweating heavily. Okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Anyone sweating and going to the bathroom a lot on a place? So basically... They're looking for terrorists or people who have irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, on an airplane is basically the same thing. It really is. <laughs> and I know the news says the story is about the TSA monitoring Americans, but I think the real story is that these air marshals are getting free flights. Yeah, that sounds like a scam to me. Yeah, so all too convenient. All of them are like, there's someone, there's something fishy about that guy heading to the Bahamas. I'm gonna follow him, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm gonna follow that lady that's going to Hawaii, uh-huh. 
Oh yeah, what about that uh, suspicious dude going to Somalia? Nah, he's cool, he's cool, he can go. He's cool, totally cool. Oh, finally, in international news, an Egyptian zoo has taken exotic animals to a whole new level. Keepers at a zoo in Egypt are accused of trying to fool their guests with an unusual trick. Listen to this. They are accused of painting zebra stripes on a donkey in one of their exhibits. Although the zoo director insists that the animal is real, its large ears and smudged paint job made some people take a second look. Okay. Okay, now, I'll be honest with you. I do not see the problem here. I don't. First off, if you went to Egypt to see a zebra, which, by the way, is how you say it, you deserve to get tricked, okay? Second, you realize this is the future of zoos, right? Once we've killed off all the wild animals because of our pollution and shit, this is what we're gonna have to do. We'll just be putting wigs on house cats and looking like, oh, look at that magnificent lion, wow! This is our future, people! And by the way, I don't know why anyone's surprised. Egyptians have been inventing animals for thousands of years. Look at the Sphinx, what is that? What is that? <laughs> it's not a real thing. And you know what, to be honest with you, if that fake zebra makes one kid smile, then it's worth it. Yeah, I think it's worth it. Cause I mean, like, kids get lied to all the time, you know? When I was a kid, my dad took me to a zoo and showed me a camel, and then years later, I found out the truth was he wasn't my dad. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our main story. Michael Cohen. Up until recently, he was known as Donald Trump's personal attorney, right-hand man, and a guy who you're pretty sure swallows a lot of bees. But as loyal as Cohen was to Trump, everyone always suspected that he would flip on him if it came down to it. Well, now we're down to it, and Cohen is doing somersaults. It appears the president's former attorney and confidant is ready to talk, and what Michael Cohen could say may have major implications on special counsel Robert Mueller's probe. Michael Cohen claims that then-candidate Trump knew in advance about the June 2016 meeting in Trump Tower in which Russians were expected to offer his campaign dirt on Hillary Clinton. He was informed by Donald Trump Jr. about that offer. Wow. That is shocking information. Donald Trump had an actual in-person conversation with one of his sons. <laughs> also, also this, this Russia thing is pretty big, I guess, but I mean, yeah, because if they, if they can prove that Trump knew that his campaign was meeting with the Russians, it will go a long way towards proving collusion. So Trump knows that he needs backup which is why he immediately sent out the bat signal. Unfortunately, all he got was the bat boy. <laughs> yes. Rudy Giuliani was once again unleashed upon the world this weekend, and he was a man with one mission, destroy the reputation of the guy who used to have his job. The man is a liar, a proven liar. There's no way you're gonna bring down the president of the United States on the testimony uncorroborated of a proven liar. One of the biggest liars in America. The guy is unethical, he's a scumbag, he's a horrible person. Which is why President Trump hired him in the first place. <laughs> That's why he's here, let's be honest. So, Rudy Giuliani goes on TV and says Cohen is and always was a lying scumbag. But what's great is how CNN was ready for him. 
Let me just play for you the things that you have said about Michael Cohen, who you are now going after in no uncertain terms. The man is an honest, honorable lawyer. Michael's not going to lie. He's going to tell the truth. The man is a pathological manipulator, liar. Okay, so which one is it? So that, uh, George Washington would have said that about Benedict Arnold at a certain point in time. So yes, what, the heck, what the heck are you picking on me for saying he was an honest, honorable man? Yeah, what, what are you picking on me for? Huh? Your beef is with past Giuliani. He's the guy you want, not me. Oh, and by the way, it's nice to see that Rudy Giuliani has the same face we have when he's watching himself. Do you see how he looked at himself? He's just like, oh, oh. Oh, that, that handsome guy shouldn't have said those things. He shouldn't have said that. But the thing about Rudy is, just when you think he's backed into a corner, he finds an even tighter corner. Cohen, you know, always goes too far. And when you're lying, there's always a trap for you. So he said there was a one-on-one -on -one meeting that Donald Jr. came in and told him about the meeting was about to take place. Well, there are two witnesses who say it didn't happen. The president and, and his son. All right. All right. All right. All right, fine. You got me with your very first rebuttal, and that has completely destroyed my argument. All right, all right. I see how any thinking person could parry that attack I made. All right, I see it. Because come on, man. I mean, props. Props to Giuliani for trying. But your reasoning can't be that the crime didn't happen because the people accused of the crime say it didn't happen. That's not what a witness is. That's not how it works. You can't be like, well, your honor, I witnessed myself not robbing the bank. So... <laughs> Case closed. Let's go spend this money. But that, that's the new argument from Giuliani. Michael Cohen, the guy who Donald Trump trusted to do his dirty work for decades, is, starting now, but always forever, not a trustworthy person. And even though Giuliani spent the last five days confidently pushing that message, you could tell by watching him on this morning's Fox and Friends that Cohen flipping on the team has him a little bit rattled. What about the suggestion from Michael Cohen that he is willing to say that the president knew about the Don Jr. meeting in Trump Tower with the Russian lawyer? Now, either this topic makes Giuliani hella nervous or his leg took a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> Seriously, what was going on with that leg? Can, can we get a view from another camera? Collusion is not a crime. Everything has been really so far shows the president to be absolutely innocent. He's doing anything wrong. We'll be right back. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok, and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Daily Show. So, late last week, it was reported that the Mueller investigation has entered a new phase. That's right. Robert Mueller is emo now. <laughs> He's still investigating, but he, like, doesn't really care. <laughs> but that's not all. That's not all. Because even though Mueller hasn't been able to interview the president yet, last week, he figured out how to do the next best thing. Special counsel Robert Mueller is now investigating a new subject. 
the president's Twitter feed. According to the New York Times, Mueller is scrutinizing Trump's tweets and negative statements directed at Attorney General Jeff Sessions and former FBI Director James Comey. The Times reporting Mueller also wants to question Trump about his tweets. Damn, Mueller is officially looking into Trump's tweets. And something tells me that Mueller's not a Twitter type of guy. Yeah, I feel like pretty soon he's gonna be like, cover me, I'm sliding into his DMs. I'm like, uh, sir, that's not what that means. And look, I know some people are saying, this is ridiculous, the special counsel is gonna treat Donald Trump's tweets like they're actually important, but remember, remember, the president told us many times that at real Donald Trump is the real Donald Trump. It allows me to give a message without necessarily having to go through people where I'm giving them a message and they're putting it down differently from what I mean. I get it out much more honestly than dealing with dishonest reporters. It's a way of bypassing dishonest media, right? We go, wah, wah. Say what you want about Donald Trump, but that man really has a wah with words. (laughs) But you heard him, you heard him. Trump is more honest on Twitter than anywhere else. In fact, when Mueller does finally get Trump into court, forget the Bible, they should make him swear on his phone. That's what they should do. (laughs) So Robert Mueller is looking at Trump's Twitter. And it's not the worst idea. My only issue is, if you've been on Twitter, you know how easy it is to get distracted, right? Mueller's gonna log on to investigate Trump, and the next thing you know, he'll be watching videos of dogs dancing to Drake, which, by the way, is a real thing. I've watched that 300 times, and I still have questions. Was the dog really dancing to the music? Or did they add the music later? Was the dog driving the car before he jumped out? If so, where's that video? Does the dog have a SoundCloud? I wanna know where to find, you see, I almost forgot what we were talking about. Mueller investigating Trump's tweets. This is what Twitter will do to you. And look, Mr. Mueller, investigating Trump's tweets for obstruction of justice is a good idea, but you don't have to go on Twitter to do it because we at The Daily Show have already combed through all of Donald Trump's tweets. And we've come up with our own definitive analysis. Right here in this book. The Daily Show presents the Donald J. Trump presidential Twitter library. You wanna get to the bottom of the Russia conspiracy? Well, we've done the work for you, yeah. We've compiled, we've compiled all of Trump's tweets that show you how it really went down. Every single tweet, yeah. And it turns out, it turns out, Crooked Hillary and the FBI are the real Russians. (laughs) You just got (laughs) Shamaland. Oh, oh, and if you want, if you want to get Trump on obstruction of justice, uh, we've covered that as well. You see, we found the tweet where he pretty much confesses to the obstruction of justice. Look at that, huh, huh, look at that, go real close. Now, uh, you gotta buy the book. (laughs) I can't just read it for free on the show. The point is, this book is far more than just Trump's Twitter feed printed out. We've curated more than 400 of the president's key tweets. We've analyzed them and we've added context to really get inside of his head. Like, do you have any idea how much he hates Diet Coke, huh? Even though he drinks it all the time? Look, look, here's the complete history of Donald Trump's Twitter war against Diet Coke. All of this, yeah. And I'm not saying that it helps your investigation, but it's pretty funny. It's really pretty funny. (laughs) Look, Bobby, you've got no time to waste. Donald Trump could tweet any time that you're fired. So buy the book now. And everybody else, you should buy it too, just for fun. It's on sale at midnight, wherever fine books and incriminating evidence are sold. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an award-winning journalist who is the chief foreign affairs correspondent for NBC News and host of MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell Reports. Please welcome Andrea Mitchell. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Wow. Congratulations on celebrating 40 years in journalism. Pretty amazing. That, that is quite a career that you've had, and although you are hosting a show, you're one of the few journalists who's decided to stay on the front lines and ask the questions of presidents. You've covered seven presidents, so you're one of the few people who I would really want to know the answers to this question, and that is, is Donald Trump that different from what America has experienced before. <laughs> Absolutely, very different. I mean, the first, the first president in uh, modern history who has no government or military experience. So there's that. Right. But, but when... when <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like him having a lack of, of knowledge is not something like we, we're shocked by. I, I think the question I'm asking is more about from a journalistic point of view. You know, we, we hear about Donald Trump and the press and this adversarial relationship that you have. But, but as a journalist who has covered presidents who have had scandals, who have had wars, who have had, uh, you know, issues that have plagued them, is the adversarial relationship with the Trump White House any different to what you've experienced? I think it is different. He is, interestingly, he's more accessible, or has been until recently, more accessible, more moments where he will answer questions on the fly but fewer press conferences, fewer briefings right. at the White House, and things are turned upside down. In what way? The reality is completely different. We don't know, first of all, when facts don't seem to matter uh -huh. anymore, <laughs> which is a problem. Right. Facts in the White House, facts in other agencies. Plus, no one else can really speak for him. The fact that he's on social media, that he is so active on Twitter, and those are official archival records, presidential right. records. He is making news through social media in a way that no prior president ever did. Right. Which is certainly his option, but that means that his cabinet doesn't know, his intelligence officials don't know what to expect. And you hear things coming out on Twitter and then he'll change his mind the next day, the contradictions. So it's very, very difficult for the, especially for the White House correspondents, my colleagues who work 24 seven, mm -hmm. just trying to keep up. And you never know what to expect next. Let me ask you this then, why bother? <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely, I, I wonder that sometimes I go, if, if you have gotten to a Such point a where everyone question. acknowledges that the, there's gonna be lies coming out of the White House, that there are no facts, that they're gonna spin everything, why bother? Why not at some point just say, we're gonna send random people to your briefings, but we're just gonna report on you without the information that you give to us. Is there, is there still a need to speak to them directly? Well, he does have nuclear weapons. <laughs> he is the commander in chief. Right. He can start wars, end wars, throw, you know, all kinds of things at NATO. Right. Uh, start arguments with our closest allies uh -huh. in Canada and in Mexico. So he has tremendous power. He is the leader of the free world. And he has to be covered. When you are covering Donald Trump, it's an interesting dynamic because we see all of these stories where Trump and his supporters will say, well, you are the fake news. You are the people who are adversarial. You guys hate Trump. That's the problem here. It's not the fact that he doesn't want to speak to you. It's that you hate him, you know? And so, you know, you see these briefings where we, we've seen you, for instance, shouting questions out at Donald Trump. Now, this is, this is not new. 
journalists have shouted questions at presidents for a very long time. Exactly. But could it just be that Donald Trump says, hey, I don't like people shouting questions at me? That is rude. What, like, what should that part of the relationship be? Well, he sometimes welcomes it. So you never know, is he going to welcome a question? Does he want a question in the Oval Office? So my colleagues who are there every day, they shout questions because they often get answers. I mean, he's the first president that I can recall who wandered out to the North Lawn and engaged in a half hour of freewheeling questions and answers with right. the White House press corps one morning. Who knew that was going to happen? He, on Twitter, announced he was firing Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, at 8.40 a.m. Eastern Time. So you have to follow the Twitter feed. You have to be prepared for this. Right. So everything is topsy-turvy. I shouted questions at Ronald Reagan, and sometimes he would answer them. And sometimes he wouldn't. So we would do that, but more often than not, he would have a press conference. And there would be a briefing where we could reliably get information. And that is what is so different. When you look at the, the rhetoric of a Trump campaign or a Trump rally, you, you see President Trump out there talking about the fake news, and he points at the back of the room, and the crowd boos. And, you know, a lot of people will say, like, oh, this is just, you know, a little bit of a... It's a wrestling show. He's just playing the heel, and, and it's all fun and games. And then you had an incident of violence against uh, a newsroom. You had journalists who were gunned down, and people said, well, this is part of the environment that Trump is encouraging. Do you feel that in some way Donald Trump is encouraging people to have a hateful relationship uh, with the media? I don't connect the president at all with what happened at the Capitol, at the Capitol Gazette in Annapolis. That was uh, a horror, and it was completely... You know, uh, I would believe someone mentally deranged who went after that organization. So I don't think it's fair to right. blame him for that. But I do think that he has very deliberately set up the press as the enemy of the people. I don't feel that I am the enemy of the people. And it's, it's not benign. I mean, this is a... You know, this is something that we first heard from Joseph Stalin. This is very dangerous. It undercuts democracy. And for years and years, I've covered the State Department where we try to teach and help advocate with new democracies how to train journalists and right. how we do journalism. Secretaries of State travel all over the world and deliberately, until more recently, deliberately go to Beijing, go to Turkey, go to Moscow, have press conferences even if the host country will not, to show dictators that this is what the First Amendment means. It's very, very important. It is our value system. And I do think that by talking about fake news, fake news is what Russia did to our election. The propaganda that we see from Russia you know, invading our social media, mm -hmm. to say nothing of the hacking, but that's fake news. Propaganda is fake news, not what my colleagues at the White House and covering other beats in Washington do every day, sometimes around the world at great peril to their lives. Well, <laughs> when you're reporting on a story, one of the ultimate dilemmas that seems to face journalists these, day is, these days is, do you present just the information to the audience or do you tell them what the information means? You know, some, some journalists come from the school where they say, you, you just say, these are the numbers, these are the trade deals, this is what's happening, and the audience will figure it out. But some have argued that, no, journalists need to be proactive and say, hey, Trump is messing up, or Trump, you know, paid $12 billion for farmers because he created a trade war. 
Which side of this do you fall on? I have always, for decades, felt that we should just report what people say, but I do think more and more that we have to create the context. And it isn't new just with Donald Trump. I've always felt that we're not just reporting presidential announcements. Mm -hmm. They can post their announcements online now. We have to create the context and we have to add value and tell what the history is. And this is the first time this has happened. And the president says this about Iran today, that he'll meet without preconditions, but this is what he just said. And this is what his secretary of state is saying on the very same day. Here are the preconditions, as Mike Pompeo said today. So you have to give people enough information. That's that's what we can provide, is context. And we have to tell people what's happening, that a tariff is a tax by any other name. Mm -hmm. And that this is, uh, in immigration, this is a self-created crisis at the border. And I think that that is our job. Do you you think in the 37 years you had to prepare for Donald Trump, there was anything that prepared you for him? Was, Was there anything that you look back on and go like, oh, I'm glad that happened because it reminds me of this? Or are you a complete newbie once again? I am such a newbie. This is, this, this is unlike anything that we have ever experienced as reporters, and it's challenging us. We're hiring more investigative reporters. We're all throwing a lot at it. The newspapers are, we in television are, uh, online. And uh, this is a big challenge for American media. And I'm, so far, I think we're up to it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Congratulations again. Andrea Mitchell reports as weekdays at noon Eastern on MSNBC. Andrea Mitchell, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.